Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Deshaun Jackson is headed for a second opinion with a hand specialist today. Has a veteran receiver played his last game for the Bucs? If so, why didn't this thing work out? And can Jameis Winston take that simple approach that worked so well on Sunday into his game against Carolina? We've got lots of college football to talk about. What impact will that, oh man, that gruesome injury to UCF quarterback Mackenzie Milton have on the Knights and their slim playoff chances? And the Tampa Bay Lightning, they've won three in a row on their homestand. They take on uh, Anaheim and then a huge showdown against Buffalo later this week. The Sabres have won nine games in a row. We've got all of that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstick. Hey, before we get started on this podcast, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on a brand new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort. Millionaire. All right, Steve. So uh, it's been a long time since I talked to you. It seems like, but uh, good to be back. And uh, we'll, good we'll Thanksgiving. Start with a little dis- good Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, no, it was it was great. I mean, the family was together. You know, we had the uh, the John Lynch podcast. I think played on Friday. Boy, it that did. was really well received. He he was fantastic. By the way, he was. And you, you know, you always when you talk to him, you always learn something. And he's very very thoughtful and very very spot on in his in his evaluations. I always feel. Yeah, everything he had to say, you know, had some purpose to it, and and we talked about how the you know the changing NFL and um, you know sort of the challenges, how he became a general manager, which was a great story, the challenges that they face, of course, with the quarterback position and Jimmy Garoppolo, and um, you know we of course we saw what what they brought here. We talked about Matt Breida, who had an, an outstanding game uh, for them against the Bucks and ran for about a hundred and what was a hundred and twenty yards or something like that, I think, or no, hundred eight yards. Uh, or 106 or somewhere in there, but he had a good homecoming. And I, I was talking to you know to Ronnie Barber, who says, and by the way, shout out to Ronnie, listens to this podcast, um, and he's known John for a long time. He goes, you know, John is just so good at ad libbing. Like a lot of people, just fall back on cliches or they, um, you know, they just talk to talk. And, and really, everything he said had a purpose. And uh, anyway, it was a well received podcast. My thanks to John Lynch. Had a chance to uh, see him in action. Bad bad weekend for the 49ers, though. I mean, that whole situation with Reuben Foster on Saturday night uh, in Tampa with the domestic violence, and then they release him before the game on Sunday. Yeah, that, that never gets your weekend or your your game day off to a good start. Oh, it was horrible. And he had to face uh, reporters there about that and, you know, the, the agreement that he had with Foster, and he didn't do the things that uh, they had agreed for him to do. Of course, getting arrested could not have been on that list. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just a, just a really tough weekend for John. And for the 49ers, obviously. But a good weekend for the Bucks. 
uh, who uh, you know who finally break the four game losing streak by beating uh, the San Francisco 49ers 27 to nine. <clears throat> Not coincidentally, we'll talk about Jameis Winston here in a minute, but he he was the difference in the way the style of play he played. And like I said, we'll we'll talk about him in a minute. I just think it's interesting that he has the ability, and has proven this now on several different occasions in his career that we'll discuss, where he can will himself to make better decisions. And to me, if he can do that once, he could do that approach every single time he plays football. And we'll see if he's able to continue that now as the games get – the competition gets stiffer. I mean, this was not a good San Francisco team. They're now 2-9, and nine, I believe, and uh, uh, obviously playing the third-string quarterback and all that. They take a step up in class in Carolina with their defense this Sunday. But uh, it is obvious to me that Jameis Winston has choices he can make. He makes decisions all the time. But his approach to playing that game is one that he certainly could take over these next five weeks and maybe have some different results. It'll be be interesting interesting to see how he does when they don't have a lead. Because because it's always easier to make those simple decisions and play simple and not take chances and risks when you have a lead. And and your defense is is performing and even creating some turnovers for a change. Yeah, and I I think that everything kind of blossomed off the way he played, and Mm -hmm. he got the lead because of the way he played. So you're right, but there's usually usually in NFL games, there is a more of a desperation time, some point in the game, either the last two minutes where you need a stop or you have to drive the ball the length of the field, kick a field goal, or uh, get a touchdown to, to go ahead and take the lead and win the game. So they didn't have to – they didn't get to that point. So to your point, you're right. He didn't have to force anything because he wasn't behind. Um, they were in control of the game pretty much the whole game. And so that, that definitely allows you to play a different way, allows you to have balance and run the ball and all that. So I would agree with you totally there. But I, I get into some of the things I, I'm talking about that I saw of Jameis that he absolutely could could repeat. Um, I did want to uh, quickly talk about Deshaun Jackson because there's some stuff going on here. Deshaun Jackson, as you know, went into that game with a sore thumb. He, he practiced most of the week. He's limited uh, a good portion of it. But on Friday they had him as a, as a full go. Of course, they don't do much on Friday. And he played the entire game. And, you know, for all the success Jameis had throwing the ball, and, and look, he was he was pretty darn good. I mean, he he was 29 to 38, so he only missed, you know, what, nine nine passes. and But of those nine passes, most of them were targeted to Deshaun. He missed Deshaun. Well, he only completed three out of eight, so he missed him five times. So three out of three out of eight for 19 yards is all Deshaun – wound up with and of course remember the deep shot where Deshaun got behind the defense by about five yards somehow Jameis managed to overthrow him which proves that yes you can overthrow Deshaun Jackson so um, a tough day for him from a production standpoint now he ran the routes well they did everything they could to try to keep the ball get the ball to him it just didn't work out as it has not really worked out for two years now and his numbers are decidedly worse when Jameis plays than they are when Ryan Fitzpatrick has played and that that should be pretty obvious um, but he, he went into the game with a thumb injury, and now he's headed to New York on uh, today to see a hand specialist. He did consult with the Bucks doctors. Now, typically, when <laughs> typically when a player goes for a second opinion, it's bad news, right? Because they don't like the first opinion. So, you know that's generally the case. Now, the fact that he played the whole game and didn't appear to re-injure it, although I guess anything's possible when you wake up on Monday. It almost seems as if he's looking maybe to see if there is something 
that uh, that needs taken care of. And a lot of people have these conspiracy theories, and I understand where they stem from. And I think Deshaun, you know, for the most part, likes to perform, wants to play, and so you'd assume that. But but I can just tell you that there are there are a number of people at One Buck Place. Let's put it that way. Uh, who are in the organization that are questioning whether he's just going to shut it down for the year. And that's that's really something when you think about it. Um, but it makes sense, right? I mean, like on the one hand, and I'm not saying, you know, he, obviously you'd have to have an injury to do that, but, um, you know, it's it becomes the Ricky Waters, people remember him for who, for what uh, type mode. Like this is a guy that asked to be traded, was not traded, was hoping to play on a contending team. This is not one of those was hoping to at least be productive and, and get a lot of numbers, and that was certainly the case when Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing. Now it's Jameis Winston probably for the rest of the, the last five games. And we're down to five games, okay? So we'll see what they say in New York on Tuesday. I guess we'll find out later this week if he's headed to IR, if he's going to stick around. But if he is headed to IR, Steve, I think he's played his last game in Tampa. I agree. I th- yeah, if he goes to IR, I think he absolutely has played his last game tape. I don't expect him to be back next year. Um, I don't see the, the what is it, $11 million? Is, it's 11, is, 10, is $11 the, million, dollars not, not, get, not, not guaranteed. Not guaranteed, so they would have to pay him 10 to $11 million next year. Now that Chris Godwin has emerged and you look at all the weapons on offense, do you need to spend $10, $11 million on a guy that Jameis can't connect with? No. And, and I think as much as anything, it's because of that, that, you know, I mean, I – Obviously, you went to try to find guys that were explosive because Dirk believes in explosive plays in the passing game. He didn't feel like they had that in 2016, where ironically, they won nine games, including five in a row with guys like Freddie Martino and Cecil Shorts and, of course, the great Mike Evans, who just his game just keeps improving, and he managed to get vertical on one that Jameis did hit him with. Um, Went out of bounds, should have been a touchdown, but it was like a 42-yarder. Um, so nonetheless, yeah, they've, you know, the emergence of the tight ends, OJ Howard, when he can stay healthy and another tough break for him that we can talk about, obviously got Cameron break, you know, Adam Humphreys is a free agent, so you can't count on him being back next year. So that's another sort of fly in the ointment, but you're right. Chris Godwin is ready to take the step to, to the number two receiver. He's fast. He's not Deshaun Jackson fast, um, but he can run a little bit. So I just think that because of his age, he'll be, what, 32 years old at some point next year, I think. Will have played 11 years already. He still has incredible speed. I mean, he's a freak of nature, that, and he works at it. He goes and does his track workouts every year. So he can still absolutely get behind a defense, and he'll probably make money somewhere. But I can see where he would be at the point where he's like, you know, you know if I'm not 100% healthy, I'm not going to go out there and risk, risk further injury. You know, not just, without a guaranteed yeah. contract. I mean, that's kind of the way. Not without the, money. He's making for a business year. decision. He's making a business. That's decision. That's exactly right. That's what it feels like. And, and again, I'm not accusing him of, of of jaking it. It will take a medical opinion for him to come out. Look, he's hurt. Um, he is hurt. Whether he needs to be shut thumb, down, yeah. that's that's what's up to question. That's really the decision, and it's his body. And I, and look, I don't even know that I would. I don't even know that I would be mad at him if he did it. I mean, if I'm a Bucks fan, I think a lot of Bucks fans feel like, well, good. You know, more uh, more for Chris Godwin, more for Adam Humphreys, whatever. It just hasn't worked. And and, and again, it's hard to it's hard to blame Deshaun totally because he came here as a guy who does one thing well. He makes explosive plays. He has a seventeen and a half, seventeen point seven yard average per catch. This year he's up that over twenty yards, you know, per catch. Um, was on his way to a 1,000-yard season easily, which he hasn't had many of those. 
Winston just could not get the ball to him. And, you know, they all the turnovers. And, but, but you think also, too, of, you know, how much of Deshaun's presence became a thing, good or bad, but became a thing in the play callers' minds, in the in the quarterbacks' minds. You know, like we saw the throw that, uh, you know, got really one of the ones that got Fitzpatrick on the bench again in, uh, what was it, in, in New York against the Giants. He was on the 20-yard line on second down, and he throws an, a, a rainbow, an EFIS ball to the end zone, which Deshaun has no chance in that coverage. It was just, you know, it was cover two. There's no way you're getting, getting over the safety's head. And it was easily picked off. And you just wonder, like, you know, is this reliance or this 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 what this sort of want to take advantage of his speed and, and, and his abilities, um, if quarterbacks target him, you know, when when maybe they should the ball should go somewhere else, according or, or, to the according or do, to the or play callers doing the same thing. Trying to call plays Absolutely. to get that play open. Absolutely well, you have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do believe this that if you're a play caller and your job is to use all your weapons, mm-hmm. but you bring in a player like Deshaun Jackson, like if I'm okay, so I'm Jason Light and all I can do is procure players for you. You tell me you need you need explosive receivers. You need somebody who can run, somebody who can stretch the defense, somebody that, that makes plays in the passing game and I bring you shit to Sean Jackson I go okay here you go don't you think that the head coach after having signed this guy to a 33 and a half million dollar contract doesn't say you know what I better sit here and design a couple plays here where the Deshaun gets the ball where he's Mm -hmm. the primary guy against this defense and that absolutely is is the coach's responsibility to get these guys off and Dirk Cutter has struggled to do that and a lot of it is because of Winston and his inability I was to say to they didn't the struggle when Fitzpatrick down. was the quarterback. They didn't because Ryan is much better at throwing at reading the coverage number one and getting the ball out of his hand. He doesn't have a stronger arm, but he's gotten better at throwing the deep ball because he can throw it with anticipation and he hangs it out there in areas where only you know his receiver can go get it. But he gives his guys a chance. He doesn't overthrow them. He gives them a chance to go up and make the play. You know, Jameis has not been very consistent at that. So for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. So we might find out today, maybe tomorrow, by Wednesday for sure, uh, whether Deshaun is uh, is still in the mix or if he's headed to IR. But yeah, I'm I'm sort of of the mind that, uh, and probably, you know, probably his his willingness would be to move on as well. I mean, it's not this is not just a Buck thing. I mean, the Bucks could honor the contract and keep him here a third year, but obviously he's already asked for a trade. So I think he'd be happy just to be a free agent again. If he if he plans on resuming his career, and I haven't talked to him, I would assume that's the case. But I, I really haven't talked to him, so I don't know. Well, let's not forget too um, that you know Deshaun publicly puts his support behind Fitzpatrick to be the quarterback this year, and we now know that Jameis Winston sure is going to be the quarterback the remaining of the season, barring yes. barring an injury. You know, Jameis is going to be the starter. It's not going to be Fitzpatrick anymore. Deshaun knows that's that, right. and he you know publicly was saying, "Hey, Fitzpatrick needs to be our quarterback." Right. So does he want to put in the work and, and go through the pain if he's in if he's hurt of playing and getting three catches for 19 yards every week? You know, I mean, that, that might not be one he wants to sign up for. So we'll see. Um, as anything with Deshaun, it's always fascinating. But um, I know a lot of people, you know, especially – and then the other thing was he took to social media after the game. And he had kind of a cryptic uh, – I don't know if it was a biblical quote, whatever it was, but it basically was – was to the effect of, man, if you're if you're really really patient, great things have to be coming to reward all this patience or something to that extent. And and then somebody had 
had left a message on his Instagram about, well, I'm a, I'm a Falcons fan, but if you were with, with Atlanta, you'd be killing it. Same thing in Philly. And he was something like, don't I know it? Shake my head, you know. So after a game in which the Bucks had won um, and won fairly handily and all the receivers really pretty much had good days with the exception of him, he had something to say about his lack of catches or whatnot. And again, he ran his routes. He got open. Uh, they missed him. They didn't. They did not get the ball in his hands. He was targeted eight times, which is almost you know that's as much as everybody, with the exception. Well, it is as much as any player on the team. Mike Evans had eight targets, and he ended up with six catches for 116 yards. So there was not a receiver who got more chances, but he only caught three balls. So I'm sure that's a uh, that's a factor. Speaking of Winston, I was talking to Ronnie Barber again. I'm dropping Ronnie Barber's name. That's what I do. I drop names around here. You want to pick them up for me, Steve? Because I drop names That's all the time. That's all I do around here is pick up the names yeah, you drop. Pick, pick up all the names that I'm dropping. So I, I, I talked to Ronnie. Uh, it was weird. It was at halftime, and uh, he came out, and we are talking about the way Winston was playing. He goes, you know, he, he says, when we had the production meeting and all that, and he goes, you know, Jameis just said, look, I'm, I'm just I'm keeping it simple today. I'm not doing – I'm going to take the throws that are in front of me. I'm not turning down any throws. Um I'm not going to try to extend plays if it's not there that much. I'm just going to, going to keep it simple. And and Rodney's point to him was you should because if you look around the league, the great quarterbacks, whether you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning when he played, Drew Brees, those guys aren't throwing the ball 40 yards down the field on every play. They're just not. You know, they read they read things out and defenses, you know, let them check the ball down at times and at times – you know they have to hit a guy in a flat, and it, and it, and at times somebody does get behind the defense. But for the most part, they're about completions. You know what I mean? They're about making quick decisions, or as Jameis said after the game, decisive decisions, which I think is a weird term. I mean, decisive decisions. Is there any other kind? But you know, it, it, it's it's uh, you know, there's the checkdown. There's there's the guy that's uh, not covered. You know, there's the soft zone. You know, here's my guy in man-to-man on the shallow cross. I mean, whatever it is, you're not always having to push the ball down the field. And I think a lot of that is Dirk's offense because he definitely is trying to create explosive plays down the field throws. They probably throw the ball down the field as much as any team in the NFL. And uh, at times it's it's worked beautifully, like the first two games with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, and at other times it doesn't, like the game in Cincinnati when, you know, Jameis ends up throwing – four interceptions and getting benched. So somewhere in there is the mama bear. And I think Jameis, look, I've seen him do this before. And the question is, is is this who he's going to be now? Because he absolutely can will himself. I mean, will himself to making good decisions and to not forcing the ball. I've, I've seen him do this now several times. To some extent, he did that during that five-game winning streak in 2016. I saw him do it at Carolina one, one year when they took the ball out of his hands and ran it 10 straight times to start the game. But he proved that, you know, against the 49ers anyway, that he could, you know, take take the throws in front of him, you know, run for a few yards if there was nothing there and get down, take a sack once in a while. He turned down a deep ball for a sack. Uh, the other day because he just didn't trust the coverage. He, he knew that he, if he threw it down the field, there was a chance that the safety was going to get over and make, it, make an interception or play on the ball. And so 
if he can do that, why can't he do it every game? Now, you made a good point when we were talking. I mean, like, it really helps to get a lead. I mean, they had not had a lead since the Cleveland game, you know, and I think they'd led for all of like three minutes between between that game they beat the Browns. So when you can dictate things like that, it's certainly easier than when you're chasing because most games come down to that last, you know, minute or two where one team has to be sort of in hurry-up mode. When they talk a lot um, about playing complementary football, you'll hear Dirk say that right. a lot, uh, and Jameis will say that as well. And, and, you know, in the San Francisco game, they played complementary football. They didn't turn the ball over. Their defense was getting stops and creating some turnovers. The kicking game worked. It was complementary yeah. football. They weren't chasing points right. because they've missed extra points or field goals. They weren't chasing down a team because they're behind three scores in the first half. Uh, you know, it's when you can when you can control the game and play that complementary football as they talk about. It's a lot easier to then say, "I'm not going to take that shot down the field. I'm not. I'm going to check down, or I'm going to take the sack instead." And and and. Yeah. That's not taking anything away from Jameis or, or Dirk or the team. That's what you're supposed to do, and, and Jameis proved he can do it. Now, as the competition steps up, because we all believe, even though Carolina is struggling right now, they're a better team than San Francisco. So sure. we'll see if they can do it this week. Yeah, they have a much better defense. I, I, but I think all things sort of like – as bad as this defense is, and it's historically bad from a, from a point standpoint, although they've, you've got to argue they've been really, really good at home. I mean, the last two games mm-hmm. – They've given up like what sixteen and nine, you know, or something like that to two teams. I mean, they 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 are really playing well at home. But I think the quarterback clearly getting the lead helps, but but not putting them in bad positions. Mm-hmm. I mean, the average drive start for the San Francisco Forty ers on Sunday was a twenty one yard line. The yeah, Tom mentioned that in the podcast team, yesterday that you know they're, yeah. they're they were starting you know back at the twenty yard line almost every time. Or, or inside. And if you make a team go 80 yards, look at, the, look at the odds. If a team has to go 80 yards for a score, I mean, the percentages are way down that they're going to even kick a field goal, much less get a touchdown. It, that's just the way it is. 80-yard drives are, are not as common as you think they may be. And so when they made them go 79 on average um, every single possession – uh, you know, then that that certainly that bodes well for your for your defense. Without turning the ball over and giving them a short field, that defense doesn't look as vulnerable, right? Because they're defending a longer field, and so all those things kind of play hand in hand. But they all go with the quarterback protecting the ball, and and that's the one thing Dirk Cutter said time and time again. And, you know, he said he liked both quarterbacks, and both quarterbacks have done some spectacular things this year at times. But the one thing they both do is turn it over, and when you don't turn it over, it kind of looks like it did on Sunday. You know, then, then you can hide, you can mask some things, um, you know, on your defense. You can hide some weaknesses. And certainly if you get a lead, you can do that. But they were, they've been exposed all year because they have guys who somehow you look up in the third quarter and they're down three scores. And if the NFL, if you're down three scores, you're not going to win because there's only about 11 possessions in a game, sl- slightly over more than 11. So if you have five in the first half or six in the first half, maybe you have five in the entire second half. If you're down three scores, what does that mean? What does that say to you? You got to score a touchdown every game, every score, just about. You know, you can't punt. You can't. You can't kick field. I mean, you you pretty much have to use every possession and go down and score. And that's what Winston did um, to help bring his team back the other day. You know, it's just uh, it's complimentary football. That's a good term, but I I still believe it all starts with the quarterback. Absolutely. I mean, look, 
in, in football today, and, and, and this is true in college too, if you don't have a quarterback, you've got nothing. I mean, you don't win with defense anymore, purely a defense. I mean, the days of Trent Dilfer leading a team to the Super Bowl because his defense was so great doesn't happen in today's NFL. The rules are set. The, the athletes, the, the pass interference rules, the, the targeting, everything else that, you know, you need a defense, but you're not going to win without a good quarterback. It just doesn't happen in today's NFL. So if your That's quarterback's right. not playing well, you pretty much have no shot. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And we can get into Michigan later. <laughs> your Wolverines. We'll do that in a minute. Goodness, Jim Harbaugh. So, anyway, the Bucks are going to play Carolina. Carolina's struggling, by the way. One in five on the road, which is astounding. You can't, you can't be that lopsided home and away. But Christian McCaffrey is a beast. They've gone from what being a shoe-in for the, the playoffs and challenging New Orleans for the division lead to are they going to make the out. playoffs? Yeah, it's stunning. It really is. I mean, you know, I looked up one at one point on Sunday, and, and Cam Newton was 20 out of 22. I mean, that's crazy numbers for him. But, uh, you know, your boy just went off. McCaffrey had uh, 17 carries for 125 and then had 11 catches out of 11 targets for 112. That's a day, man. Yes, that <laughs> that's is. That's unbelievable. 300 yards of offense. 237, you know, 237 yards. 237, yeah. Yeah, which is like, you know, well over half their offense. I mean, it was it was Christian McCaffrey day. So they're going to have to find a way to handle him, number one. Man, there's so many backs in this division. When you think of Alvin Kamara, you know, what a dual threat he is mm-hmm. as a receiver and as a runner. And, you know, he's got Mark Ingram to help him. And then, and then you go to Christian McCaffrey. And then, you know, when Atlanta had, you know, what was it, Devontae? Uh, Freeman. Of? Freeman. He's a beast. So it's just been, you know, and and that's I think that was the intention they had with Ronald Jones. Now Ronald Jones didn't really catch a lot of balls at USC, but I do think that, uh, you know, the hope was that they could get him in space and have explosive plays in the passing game as well as the rushing game, and that just didn't come together. But it puts a lot of stress on your defense. Puts a lot of stress on on you know guys trying to to get to the quarterback when they're flipping it out there quickly. So it's going to be a much bigger challenge for sure uh, on Sunday against Carolina, who's a desperate team who, like to your point, now is fighting for their playoff lives and whether or not you know, people start looking at Ron Rivera. And, oh, by the way, they have a kicking problem. <laughs> the kicking problems have now transferred to another team in the NFC South because they absolutely should have won that Seattle game. Um, but they missed another easy field goal, and Seattle goes down and, and, uh, and scores. So um, – so that's that's what's going on Sunday, and and you know, and look, Winston has a chance. I, I don't know that he can win enough games to to necessarily save everybody's job, Dirk Cutters included, um, but he can certainly change sort of how people feel about him, and mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think the organization's committed to him for the most part, anyway. Um, but he, I, as we said, when he, he played, hey everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
played started this game the other day that these next six games he could definitely play his way out of Tampa Bay. I think in this case, you know, he may he may actually help himself, and, and it's with opportunities like Carolina, followed by New Orleans, then at Baltimore. If you navigate that gauntlet and knock off two or three of those teams, um, you, people will be thinking differently about you, especially if your style of play is such that you're not turning the ball over and you're playing winning football. So it's a big opportunity for Jameis Winston these next few weeks, and he could help his coaching coaching staff out as well. Um, but I mentioned we do have lots of college football to talk about, and, man, I felt so bad on Friday oh. um, after we – this this USF, UCF quarterback is, is – is the reason you talk about quarterback impact. He's been the reason the Knights have, have been on this winning streak, the nation's longest winning streak. Um, kid from Hawaii, uh, Mackenzie Milton, just a really good player, can run it, certainly can throw it, very accurate, but runs that up-tempo offense as well as anyone mm-hmm. uh, can possibly do that. And, you know, it was weird. He, he, he kept the ball, obviously, went around kind of right in there, and he took a hit, but he took a hit right on the knee. And when he when it was when he was first hit, it didn't look like a crushing tackle to me. It didn't look like one of those that you'd say, "Ooh, he's going to have trouble getting up from that one." But unfortunately for him, it was the worst news because he dislocated his knee, and what that means is every ligament was torn, and you know the upper leg from the lower leg disconnected. Uh, it's a very dangerous situation. I saw one player have that happen to him. It was Cecil Shorts two years ago. And to my knowledge, Cecil Shorts will never play football again. And I remember talking to uh, to some doctors that attended to him that day, and the first concern is trying to save the guy's leg because you can have arterial damage mm-hmm. uh, when, when the knee separates like that, and you have a very short time if you get too much blood loss um, to save that tissue and to save that leg. So I'm hopeful. Uh, they said surgery was successful, so I'm hopeful he didn't have that damage to it. Um, but the notion that, I mean, we're talking about every, think about that. I mean, think about what, what it takes to connect your, your upper leg to your lower leg and all the knee ligaments, the patella, um, you know, the, the medial collaterals, the eight, the ACL, uh, you know, every single posterior ligament, every ligament in your knee, you're talking about multiple surgeries. You know, they don't do it all at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't just put it all back together together at once. So, I hope he plays football again, but really that's maybe one of the letter, least concerns after that thing. That was gruesome. Yeah, I was just I, – I didn't get to see the, the play. I was actually at the Emily Arena getting ready for the Lightning game. But the word quickly right. spread, you know, as he was down on the turf and everyone was, oh. you know, trying to figure out what was going on. And ESPN, to their credit, wasn't even showing replays, it didn't seem like. Um, yeah. Because it was one of those, you know, I mean, immediately everyone was like, yeah, Alex Smith, that was nothing. That was what was immediately what everyone was saying about it, which, you know, just it breaks your heart. I mean, to see a, a kid like that, and he's so good, too. Um, oh, you know, I, I've had a chance to even see him in person twice now, and, and he's just such, such a good quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. Just such command of the offense and that team, and, you know, and the win streak they're on, you hate to see it. But yeah, I mean, first of all, you hope that, you know, he recovers, forget football at this point, just, you know, recovers yeah. in general. And then if he can play football, fantastic. But, you know, sure. Um, yeah, you just felt off. I mean, uh, you know, the word was quickly spreading at Amelie Arena, and everyone's like, "What?" Um, yeah, it was brutal. And and the thing is, like, wouldn't that? Don't you think that would affect then how, or should it affect? Let's say the committee is looking at UCF a certain way. 
Well, they're, they're not they getting in the college football playoff. There's no shot they're getting in the top four now. Not now, right? I mean, it, you know, we do know that the NCAA, you know, uh, you know, basketball committee looks at injuries, and that's a factor. Whether it's, you know, someone missed a good part of the season and came back and the team played better, or they've been out and, and you know, they'll knock teams down seedings if they have a star player that, you know, is out for the tournament. Sure, sure. Um, the college football committee, I mean, look, UCF was a long shot to make it anyway. Now there's no no chance. Right. Because they're not right. going to do that's, it without Milton. Because no, the, the worst thing, you know, they don't want blowouts in the college football playoff. And they've had some even right. when they put the top four in there. Yeah. But they definitely, you know, they, they, at that point they would think it was going to be a blowout. And I think all that talk, you know, sort of took a, uh, took a backseat to the concern over him anyway. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, clearly they have, they have a good quarter, backup quarterback. He's not as good of, of a thrower, but um, they'll they'll end up with a nice New Year's Day bowl, I think. Well, it's going to be interesting how they do against Memphis. This, I mean, they had to come from well, behind to win in Memphis a month or so true. ago. With um, him, yeah. Memphis was dominating UCF, and then it started raining at halftime, and, and UCF then kind of caught them in the second half and won by a point. It'll be inter- and Memphis is kind of you know playing a little better now. It'll be interesting how that game goes without M- Milton, and how Memphis does. You know, it is at UCF this Saturday, so. Yeah, they're not a lock to win uh, AAC. That's true. I think um, with Milton they were, but without Milton, sure. Now I think Memphis has a shot. Sure, sure. Other college football. Uh, oof, Willie Willie Tigert. Not a good way to end the season, man. Forty-one fourteen to the UF uh, Gators there. Well, let's let's hand it to Florida first of all. I mean, you know, look at the beginning of the season, we were all wondering who's going to have the better season, Taggart or Dan Mullen. And even after the first game or so, it was kind of like, Ooh, who, is any, any one of them going to have a good season? Look at the season Florida's had. I mean, they're probably going to make a New Year's Six Bowl. Who would have predicted that at the beginning of the season? Right. Um, Nine, ten wins. Yeah, k- like kudos to Dan Mullen. Kudos to the Florida players and, and that staff up there and, and the season they've had. It's been a very good season. Now, Willie Taggart, that's been a struggle this year. And, and you know, whether he's the right guy, that's still going to become a question because of the season he had. You know, there, there are many that think maybe he got that job too soon, wasn't ready for that stage yet. Yeah. I, I still think it's too early to know that for sure. Right. But, you know, he's got, he's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, he certainly does. Um, just to go back a little bit for a second on USF, I, I, I assume that Charlie Strong will stay here uh, with the Bulls, but they've got some work to do, and he acknowledged that after the game as well. They're not in the same class with Central Florida, and that's a shame for them because – they're way too close from a recruiting standpoint to be that far behind them. So he's got some. Charlie's got some work to do. Okay, let, let's talk now about the big game because I had I watched the entire game. I wasn't giving up. I was going to see every disgusting point <laughs> that Ohio State scored. Um, I was putting on my Christmas stuff, so they managed to keep me company with that. Man, what, I mean, it should have never turned out this way. You can lose that game if you're Michigan, and depending on how it happens, maybe you can say Ohio State's just better. Uh, we, you know, we were not quite there yet. Whatever, but there were two ten and one teams, and Ohio State was not the one playing well. It was Michigan, mm-hmm. and all I heard was if they can't get them this year. And of course, the game was in Columbus, so it's not like you know, had it been in an art. Yeah, I, I didn't agree with that narrative about if they can't get them this year, then when can Because they? of where it was being played. I mean, I, you know. you know. I said all along next year's the year for Harbaugh. I've said that, for, I've said that said. for five years now. And it, it was based on the roster he inherited and that the second year he was there, it was such a senior-loaded class that Brady Hoke had there. 
that they grabbed, yeah. you know, that was the year that they, you know, went to Ohio State and had a bad spot in the overtime or questionable should spot. Should have beat them, and, yeah, should have beat them. And, yeah. you know, lost there. You know, that defense was was great. They graduated, like, 10 starters on the defense and, and that. So then, you know, last year was kind of a rebuilding from that. They were very young. They went into the season being predicted to win seven to eight to nine games. That's kind of what they did. They, they whipped Florida early, so everyone thought they were better than they were, and it turns out Florida wasn't very good last year. Right. This year they come in, and look, this was an embarrassing loss. Jim Harbaugh got outcoached. I think the players mm-hmm. read a lot of their own headlines for weeks about how great they were. Yeah. And and flat out didn't come out perform. I thought the offensive play calling was extremely unimaginative and gave them Me no too. shot to win. Me too. Um I you know, I, I've not been a fan of their their offensive coaches the last two years. Um you know Pep when, Hamilton. When, when, Pep Ham- when they lost um uh went to UCLA, uh Jed Fish. They mm-hmm. lost him two years ago. I have not been happy with their offensive coaches. I think the play calling is extremely unimaginative and doesn't put them it's in position to It's very conservative and run-oriented. You can't run the ball that much in college football anymore. Well, I you think – I, I, look, they've been able to do it against subpar competition in the Big Ten, and I think they thought they could wear Ohio State down. And so they were just going to grind it out and wear them down. That's what they thought they could do the whole time. And Ohio State's got more talent than everybody else in the Big Ten. And, and better players. Now, they haven't played very well all season as a group. And yeah. why that is, that's a whole different set of questions. Because they, right. put, they put a complete game together Saturday. I mean, well, that, the game, that's the, the Ohio game, State team we thought we were going to see all season long. Yeah, the game against Maryland was an abomination. They should have lost that game. They gave up 50 points. So you're thinking there's no way they can, they're, they're going to win this game against Michigan. Except you realize they have a quarterback that can absolutely throw the ball mm-hmm. down the field as yes. well as anyone in college football right now. And he's done something else where he's also actually done some stuff with his feet, which he didn't do in the beginning of the year. But the biggest thing was, Steve, they got out-schemed. They mm-hmm. got out-coached, and, and I mean badly. They had the, Look, Michigan had the number one defense in the nation, as I recall. They mm-hmm. were thumping everybody. All Ohio State had to do, and I mean I'm not going to make this any more simple because this is, was the game plan. All they had to do was take three-step drops, run shallow crosses, and number 28, whoever he is, can't cover me. And they isolated this guy time Mm -hmm. after time after time, and they never made a single adjustment that I could see, and they absolutely deserved to get torched, and they did. And that that is not on the players. That is on Mm -hmm. on the coaches. That is on lack of preparation. Ohio State saw matchups that they could exploit, and they knew it. Like, you could tell. They said all week when they saw these guys in practice, they were like, you know, couldn't have been more relaxed, couldn't have been more confident. Mm-hmm. Well, of course they were confident. They had already schemed them. They really had. And there was no way those guys were going to cover their receivers. And, and it was just that's, – that's terrible coaching for Jim Harbaugh and his staff. You know, that, that's something that, you know, if I'm a Michigan fan, I look at it and I go, well, wait a minute. Urban Meyer is maybe one of the greatest coaches of all time in college football history. He's got three national championships, probably going to be working on four. Um, but even having said all that, man, you can't, you just can't get out out schemed like that. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. It, well, it was it was an embarrassing, abomination loss, and, and, and it was all. And it, look, I, I think the players read a lot of their headlines, but this was coaching. Absolutely, I absolutely agree. Hundred percent. Sixty. Harbaugh and his 60? staff got out coached by Urban. Mar- well, I think I think by the time it got late, I think Michigan had given up, and it was you know, I mean, whether well, they give up, but I mean, look, it was a it was an awful loss. But I I disagree with the narrative that Harbaugh's on the hot seat that that people are trying to peddle. I mean, 
If if you still but look, should he be? No. Should he be? No. That was an awful yeah. loss. And and te- I love. You know, look, Ohio State at Purdue was an awful loss that they got out coached against Purdue. Do you lose your job because of one awful coach game? No. Not I mean, not when look, you have three national championships. Well, no, no I, I agree. True, but going into the season, uh, let's look at expectations again. Michigan was predicted to finish third or fourth in the Big Ten East, maybe second by some. Ohio State was absolutely going to finish first, whether Penn State was second or Michigan was third. And a few had Michigan State. You lost two games on the road to two teams that are going to be in the college football playoff. Those are the two games you lost, Notre Dame and Ohio but, State. But that's the quality of team you want to be and that you, you thought you had. I, I agree right? that. But Okay, so who are you you're going to fire him? Who are you going to bring in that's going to, that's going to change no, that? No, listen. When you're going against and – and I've said this time and time again – and, and granted, you could take either one, but Urban Meyer is the greatest coach in college football. He's better than Nick Saban. That's a pure coach. He's better than Nick Saban, I'll take in my Nick, opinion. But that's for other. I, but other you, I mean, look, I take Nick too. It doesn't matter. I mean, they're both they're yeah. both phenomenal coaches. I mean, at this point, you're right. picking, you know, you're nitpicking. Lombardi but, against George Hallis, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, so you're nitpicking at that point. But mm-hmm. who are you going to? I mean, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So who you no, gonna, who's going to bring in that's going to change it? And look, is is Harbaugh actually going to win the Big Ten next year or actually succeed at Michigan? I don't know. Is he ever going to bring a national championship? I have no idea. But I don't I don't know who you're going to bring in that's that's going to be that much better. I mean, you're not firing Harbaugh unless you already know who the next guy is. You're not firing him and then opening up a search. Well, that may be all. That might be true. I I just think that. Everybody says, okay, wait till he gets his recruiting class. Okay, he's had mm-hmm. four years. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's 0-4 against that team down south. I mean, 0-4. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm sure there's people that would say, hey, I don't mind if you won eight games, but you got to beat them sometime. Like, And it could be Urban Meyer or it could be Nick Saban. Look, Urban Meyer ran out of the SEC, so he didn't have to play Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced of that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and, and Harbaugh may get lucky that Urban Meyer's not there next year. He might. Look, I mean, this was a, this was a bad loss. I, I just I, I don't buy the narrative that he's on the hot seat. I think there's a lot of national people that would love him to be because there's a lot of people that dislike him for whatever reason. Well, Paul and, Feinbaum well, just destroys him. Yeah, and Paul Feinbaum makes an a SEC living honk. hating. hating. Well, yeah. He, yeah, I know Paul very well. He makes a living hating on Jim Harbaugh. Sure, he does. You know, look, he's not everybody's cup of tea. And, and would he work everywhere? Probably not. And, and, and like I said, will he bring a championship to Michigan? I have no idea. I'm not convinced he can. Well, he's got to do two things. He absolutely has to do two things. He's got to find a quarterback he can run the spread offense with and stop trying to make it a, a you know, a Stanford circa 1995, mm-hmm. you know, fullback lead offense. You cannot – you have to spread the field. You have to get the ball in the air. You have to, you have to run up tempo. And you've got to have that trigger guy that can do all that for you. I mean, if you can't play the game that's being played in college football, you're, you're not going to score. He's not, you know, you can't. I mean, I've seen him do this. He did it this year where he would play, I don't know, somebody, Penn State, whoever it was, and they'll dominate an entire half. And you look up, and at halftime, it's 14 mm-hmm. nothing. The game's not out of reach, but nope. they've absolutely slayed somebody. Yep. And that, but that's the style of play he plays. You know, now they might end up winning 30 to 14 and, and, and was never threatened, but it's still, it's a, it's a tough way to go, you know, in college football. And when you look at not just, the Big 12, which they put up 50 a game, but, you know, the Big 10 can do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, they, he has to change his offensive the, staff. The big question is who will be the quarterback next year. And Shea Patterson is rumored to be going pro, which 
I, I don't see him. Good as luck, Shea. You're not but, ready. But yeah. there, there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out next year, so there's people rushing to get out this year. But the question is, and you brought up Christian McCaffrey earlier, his younger brother is the backup quarterback at Michigan, Dylan McCaffrey. Now, he got hurt a few games ago, so he's out for the rest of the season, but he'll be a redshirt sophomore next year. He should be the starting quarterback, or Joe Milton, who's actually a freshman this year out of Orlando. They brought Milton in the game. Yeah, he, well, yeah, they brought him in. and this, That's his third game. The bowl game will be his fourth game, so he'll be actually redshirted this year. So he'll, be a, he'll yeah. have four years left at Michigan. And he came in early right. this year. He started in January this year. So the question right. of, one, you know, can one of those two actually step up and run a better offense? And, and your hope is they can. I mean, Dylan McCaffrey you know, early in the season came in a few times, showed some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Joe Milton looked okay, but in some mop-up duty. You know, he's only played in three mm-hmm. games, you know. Right, he's a young guy. The, yeah. the question is, and, you know, Harbaugh's always been a, the quarterback whisperer. And granted, I think he's made some quarterbacks a lot better than they were. I mean, well, Jake, he went to two Super Bowls with Colin yeah, Kaepernick. I mean, Jake Rudolph, Jake Rudolph was a transfer from Iowa that, that didn't do a lot at Iowa and lost his job and came in and, and took Michigan to a, what, 11-2 and two season his first year. Wilton Spate played, you know, probably better than he ever should have. Uh, you know, so, I mean, he's done some decent things, but he hasn't, he hasn't found a good quarterback yet. And we'll see if, you know, if Joe Melton or Dylan McCaffrey or any other recruits they bring in this year. Can't he be. should have one on the roster right now. But, There's no excuse. Well, I mean, there, who doesn't there, want to no, go play for Jim Harbaugh? And the other thing is they need to fix the offensive line. That's still a disaster for them. Against Notre Dame and Ohio State, they got exposed. The rest of, the, the yeah. rest of their competition didn't have good enough defensive lines to expose their offensive line. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. So now Ohio State, it's going to come down to them or Oklahoma, I think, for the final, final four. It should, unless uh, Georgia beats Alabama in a close game, then could knock both of them out. Alabama goes then. Alabama could go and Georgia as well as Clemson and Notre Dame and Ohio State and Oklahoma both looking. Yeah, it's a weird year that way. You know, and, and, and look, the, their conferences aren't helping. I mean, Ohio State's going to face, what, is it four-loss Northwestern or maybe it's three-loss They Northwestern. got Northwestern. I think they've lost three or four. And, and from that standpoint, I think Oklahoma fares better because mm-hmm. at least Texas is a higher-ranked team. higher-ranked team, and they can get the revenge on them. So, you know, your, your only loss of the season you've avenged. That's right. So that, that's going to help them, I think, when you're trying to pick between Ohio State. and them. But I, I think that, that 60 points on Michigan is going to carry it, a long it, way. It absolutely will. It, abso- it should, too. I mean, Michigan's still ranked in the top 10. Right. And, and you're going to look at, you know, you whooped the top 10 team. You didn't beat them. You whooped them. I didn't know if you, knew, if you watched the broadcast or had the sound up. But, like, Gus Johnson, really? I mean, all Gus did was – I mean, it's one thing to rave about Urban Meyer, what a good coach he is, and it's true. Historically, he's one of the best of all time. But to sit there and start talking about all that he's overcome? Oh, the redemption tour of the, you know, look, the health issues. I don't, I don't, I don't wish the health issues on anyone, and I'm not saying anything about the health issues. I mean, you know, your health is, you know, that, that's a whole different thing. But, well, everything that's been written about him, he deserved every bit of it. Absolutely, he brought on most of it himself, and I'm sorry, but and his wife's crying there. Feel... She brought it on them too, right? You want me to feel sorry for two people that turned the other way of a, of a woman who was being abused? I'm supposed to feel sorry because Urban Meyer went through something. Yeah, I thought and that had was to correct weird. his nine nine misstatements that he made. You know, I mean, it was crazy. It was like, come on, Gus. Yeah, now the health the health stuff all... that affects Urban that that is you know I, I don't wish That's that real. on anybody, and 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 you know. That part. But, yeah, the, the whole, you know, the redemption tour of, you know, now because Urban beats Jeez. Michigan like this, that all of a sudden all is forgiven. I mean, come on. He actually said he actually said that people, like, owed him an apology. No. For what? No. Like, for what? 
Anyway, he ended up on Awful Announcing. That's where he belonged. That's, uh, He's that kind of become a caricature of himself. A little bit, it, yeah, it, yeah. It's, you know, he, I used to enjoy games called by him, and now it's... The screaming it's, and the, you know... Well, I, don't mind, I don't mind that, but it's, it's just... He doesn't add a lot anymore. He used to. Yeah. Well, you know who is adding a lot? Dave Mishkin of the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. He is screaming Boy, quite a bit. on a roll. Well, not, yeah, not, only that, not only that, but they're scoring first. They're scoring early and often. Now. Often, I mean, early and often. They had gone through yeah. a stretch of like seven out of eight games where they didn't get the first goal, and they'd won a majority of them. But now, all of a sudden, they're scoring four goals every first period. There's three game homestand so far. The three games, ten goals in the first period. Had a ball. Took the girls against Florida. They scored seven. Most goals we've seen in like three games that mm-hmm. we've been there. And you're right. They they're jumping on teams. Just jumping on them. And so far, that, that helps out your goaltender, obviously. Louis Domingue's been okay. As you know, Phil Esposito will tell you, he lets in one bad goal a game. But when you've got this right. team in front of you, you can afford that. And at the end of the day, look, it's about W's. And he's giving them W's as Andre Vasilevsky is hurt. And they're That's main, all that they're, matters. And they're staying on top. Of, you know, Look, when your goalie goes down and he's going to be out six weeks, you're thinking, okay, we're in first place now. If we can you know, be in third place, maybe by the time he comes back. We're right in the playoff hunt. Even if you're in fourth, you're right there. You're staying Nicola in first run. place right now. Yeah. No, they're in good shape. They're in good shape. And, and really and big game. Andre Palat could be back uh, tonight. That will help. That will definitely help them. And a really big game coming up uh, against surprising Buffalo. And, and I remember the game they played Buffalo, and they actually outplayed them, but they ended up losing that game. Yeah, Carter Hutton turns out, stoned them that game. They lost two yeah, to one. Nothing embarrassing about the Buffalo Sabres right now. They've won nine games in a row. They're going for the 10th tonight. In that nine-game stretch, they've had nine different game-winning goals. or Nine different players score the game-winning goals. That's crazy. It's been a different player each night in this nine-game win. And if they win 10 tonight, that's, a, I believe, a franchise uh, record, 10 in a row mm. for Buffalo. And they're, So the Lightning and them kind of go back and forth. Right now the Lightning have a one-point lead over Buffalo on top of the standings in the Eastern Conference and their division. So, but interesting question for the Lightning. So, and we've been talking about, a lot about this for a couple of days, and now it may come to fruition tonight. With Andre Palat coming back, who do you sit? Jeez, Matthew, jo- Matthew Joseph in that line is playing so well. Mm-hmm. Adam Ernie is playing very well. I mean, you know, are you going to sit? Pro- it's probably Ernie, don't you think? Well, I mean, you're going to sit Adam Ernie, or you're going to sit Paquette, or Callahan, or you know, Joseph, or Sorelli. I mean, who, there's nobody in that lineup that deserves to come out. And that, well, and yeah, that that's a good be, problem to, for the Lightning true. coaches to have. But and right. ultimately, it may end up being Matthew Joseph that sits, and he could still go back to Syracuse because he's waiver-exempt. options, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Adam Ernie does not. Now, granted, you don't have to send someone down when Plot comes back, but if, you're, if Joseph's going to be up here, he's going to play. You don't, wanna, you don't want him up here sitting on the bench. Right. So it's, it's going to be an interesting, you know, interesting prospect of you know, what they're going to do. Because there's no one in the lineup that desert, that that's playing that you're going, uh, you know, you could sit him. Yeah, I mean, they're rolling four lines and rolling them effectively. There's not many teams in the NHL you can say that about. Toronto maybe has three lines that you can do that with. Mm-hmm. Nashville's pretty good and Winnipeg, but, uh, you know, there's not teams that have four lines like the Lightning do. And now you got a, you know one of your top six coming back, and you're going, who do we sit? That's yeah. a, that's a well, great problem to have. If they, yeah, if that's John Cooper's biggest axe that he's got to uh, sharpen, then he's he's in pretty good shape because uh, that team is loaded. And and how uh, good has Eric Chernak looked on de- on defense? 
has been great. He's been fantastic there. And, and Anton Strawman seems like he's maybe further away than we initially thought. And, and at this point, you don't rush it. I mean, you know, Turnak's playing very well. So, you know, Anton, get healthy at this point. Because, you know, as soon as Strawman comes back, you're probably sitting Chernak, which means he's probably going back to Syracuse because he's another guy you don't want to have just sitting on the bench waiting for an opportunity. You want him playing. But he's played very well. Um, and Ryan McDonough continues to just... He's been fantastic. He's yeah. He's been their best defenseman this year. I mean, Victor Hedman is all-world talent in that, but as far as defensemen and playing defense, Ryan McDonough has been outstanding. Yeah, well, it's impressive that a lot is expected, and they're off to as good a start as any team in the NHL. So kudos to them and see if they can uh, keep it keep it going. Hey, uh, we're here all week, Monday through Friday. We're going to have a mailbag for you guys tomorrow. This is your chance to get all your questions in um, about the Bucks, about Jameis Winston, about Deshaun Jackson, anything you have uh, there. College football, of course, we'll talk about as well. You can talk a lot of Tampa Bay Lightning. Maybe you have a Rays question. Yeah, C.J. Crone uh, was uh, picked up, picked by, the up by the Twins after being yeah. DFA'd. Yeah, so and he thanked the Tampa Bay Lightning for resurrecting his career with the 30 home runs. Got it. Kind of neat. You just let a 30 home run guy walk out of here. Boy, I got to tell you. Well, apparently the Rays got the same problems that the Lightning have. Yeah, they got too much <laughs> talent. I mean, I mean, think about that. You just let a guy walk out of here. They, they, they brought you 30 dingers, man. That's really something. It really, it really is something when you think about it. I mean, long is, live you know, G-Man Choi. Uh, yeah, apparently, <laughs> and, and Tommy Pham or whatever they got, you know, got going there. We can talk all those questions. The way you, uh, the way you do this is you can send us your questions on Twitter at SportsDayTB at SportsDayTB, or you can you can uh, certainly uh, send them to Twitter at me at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com we'll read your question on the air try to answer it and of course all the answers are 100 percent accurate guaranteed so you got that going for you or you get your also money make back. sure or you can get your money <laughs> back. World, that too that's true <laughs> also make sure you visit our friends if you have any air conditioning needs at all folks you got a lot of choices for air conditioning companies but you have to go see our friends at million air um, they are tampa bay's air conditioning company howard and sue million been doing this uh, for uh, decades, I think, in, in the area. Uh, and so uh, right now they're offering uh, 0% interest, 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call, please, at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of their offers today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. Remember to get your mailbag questions in. If you can, we'll answer them tomorrow. And thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.